Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Romans chapter 1. Uh, we will be finishing off the chapter this morning. And uh, this is a hard text, especially in our culture today. Um, and I want to remind us where we stand uh, as according as in the context of this text right now. Um, remember, Paul here is writing to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And as believers, this extends to us uh, as he writes. He writes to us as those who are called by God to be saints who are loved by God. As we receive these words, we don't receive them as God's enemies. We receive them as those who have been saved. Amen? Amen. We receive them as those who have been saved by the gospel which Paul proclaimed. Paul proclaimed that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Um, Now, what we've been seeing here also, not only is the is the uh, does the gospel reveal the power of God to salvation, but as we saw last week, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. So we're dealing here with sin. We're dealing with the wrath of God. And and that can get burdensome to us to think about the wrath of God. And so I I want us to start off with the fact that we are, as believers, we are those who are loved by God. We have been called to Him to be saints, set apart. As first, uh, as a... Paul says to the Corinthians, and I don't remember if it's in 1st or 2nd Corinthians at the second, but he said, uh, and such were some of you. He gives this list of all these sins and he closes it with, and such were some of you, but you were washed. We're not who we used to be. When we look at these sins being described here in Romans chapter 1. We don't look at these like pointing at somebody else saying, oh, this is beyond God's reach. No. When we look at this text, we think, there but for the grace of God go I. When we look at a text like this, when we look at a text that deals with the wrath of God towards sin, we need to look at it with tears. And the recognition that if it was not for what God has done in us, there we would be also. <coughs> Our text this morning will begin in verse 24. But I want us to kind of back up just a verse because he was talking about how claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God 
were images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Idolatry. What humanity has done, what each one of us has done in our sinfulness is we have taken the God who made us and we have suppressed that truth in unrighteousness before we were saved. This is what we would do. We would suppress the truth in unrighteousness and we sinned and we would... We would go into idolatry. We would take what sh- the worship that we should have for God and then we turned it towards the create creation. We turned it towards ourselves. We turned it towards all other kinds of things. This is what Paul here is writing. And then he says, therefore, because of the idolatry of the human heart, therefore, and here's our reading, Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchange natural relations with those that are not that are contrary to nature. And men, the men likewise, gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Let your word do its work in us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that receive and obey your word. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were listening carefully, you might have caught something. There is a repetition. Three times Paul says this idea. God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And then we see, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And then in verse 28, again, it says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. 
There is a consequence to idolatry. Because humanity, because we in our sin have replaced God in our lives with an idol, God lets us have what we want. And that is a dreadful thing. He gave us over. He allowed us to have the very thing that we wanted. We read this passage from uh, Leviticus for our scripture reading this morning. And uh, in it, Moses wrote out the consequences. God revealed the consequences that Israel would face if they broke the covenant. God said he would deliver them over to their enemies. God is a just God. He is a loving God. He is a saving God. He is a redeeming God. And He is a holy God. And His holiness, He does unspeakable things in order to pour out His wrath on sin. We see after Leviticus this being played out in the Judges. In the Judges period, you kept seeing, if, you, if you've read Judges, you see over and over and over this cycle of how the people would forget God, they would stray away from Him, and then God would then hand them over to an enemy. And whenever they were, were handed over to the enemy, they would finally cry out to God. And when they cried out to God, God remembered them, He heard them, and He would send a Savior. He would send a Deliverer, a Judge. And this would happen over and over again because after the judge would save them, what would happen? They would forget about God again. And as they forgot about God, God would give them over to another enemy. And so on and so on the cycle goes. And we see this also played out uh, as the kingdom, as kingdoms of Israel and Judah descended into uh, what they did after David and Solomon and all of their sons, the, the kingdom split into two and they, they worshipped and served the Baals. What did God do? He sent the Assyrians to come and destroy Israel. And He sent the Babylonians to come and, and ransack, destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple and take the people back into Babylon into captivity. God will do whatever it takes to cleanse His people. Even if it means handing them over to their enemies. He does this for the purpose of their salvation. But here, it's a little different I don't think in this passage we're seeing the covenant people of God. I don't think we're seeing um, the Jewish people being described here. I, I think what we're seeing here is the, the Gentile world. And the Gentile world here is being described as uh, being given over to these dishonorable passions. 
You wouldn't see this kind of thing in Jewish society. This is what you would see in the Gentile world, where right, what were wrong was called right. Verse 26, again, it says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. What did He give them up to first? Dishonorable passions. Desires. Desires that are dishonorable. They are shameful. We can get the idea right there that it's, it's already talking about sexual sin. Actually, I skipped a passage. Back in verse 24, um, therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts and the impurity to dishonor, dishonoring their bodies among themselves. You can get the idea that it's already sexual sin. But it doesn't really specify necessarily until we get to the later part. But then he says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. God designed gender. He designed marriage. He designed sex in order to be a picture that points us to Him. Now, I know that may sound weird, but that is what he designed it for. I think we see this in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. It says that, uh, there, behold, I tell you a mystery, uh, that, that whenever he was speaking about marriage, he's really speaking about Christ and the church, about how a husband should love his wife and give himself for her as Christ did the church. Marriage and the, the image of marriage throughout the Bible is, is shown as a picture of the relationship between God and His people. And when it's forsaken, when, 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 uh, when people forsake God, it is illustrated in sexual terms, in marriage terms. We see this throughout the Bible. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women, exchanged natural relations for those that were contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. I don't want to be graphic here. You get the idea. I think what Paul is clearly talking about is homosexuality, both when in its female-female form as well as its male-male form. One thing I think we need to understand here, maybe we've heard someone say, maybe they're interviewed after some disaster uh, I think uh, you may have heard someone interviewed after some disaster and say, well, this disaster happened as a judgment on, on our country because of the sin of homosexuality. Well, not according to this text. What this text seems to say is that homosexuality is given as a judgment 
because we have been abandoned God. That He hands us over to the debasement of ourselves. By nature itself proclaims the glory of God. It proclaims God's design for human sexuality. And when we abandon what even nature itself shows us about that design, it is dishonoring to ourselves. And so when God hands us over to, uh, to our own desires, to our own passions, we do what dishonors ourselves and we We're filled with shame. It's not very uplifting so far, is it? This is the consequence of sin. You can't talk about sin by itself and be uplifting because there's nothing uplifting about sin. Except for one thing, we've been saved from it. Jesus came as a rescuer. He did not leave us there in our sin. Now some have tried to reinterpret this passage. In our modern day, there is pressure to try to, uh, to, to say, well, maybe Paul just didn't understand today's, under, the way uh, sexual orientation the way we understand it today. What Paul really was writing about, maybe some, some have concluded, what Paul was really writing about was abusive homosexual relationships. No, I mean, uh, he, he, they would say, they would say that uh, Paul didn't really have in mind loving same-sex unions. But what he had in mind was, was abusive relationships. But Paul gives no evidence here in the text that he's thinking that. That is not what Paul is trying to say. (coughs) They knew of those kinds of things because it was common in the Roman Empire for boys to be abused in that way. But he didn't just talk about uh, men and boys in some kind of an abusive relationship like that. He also talked about women as well. This is not something that Paul was just backwards and didn't know about our modern psychological understandings of things. No. Paul here shows us that the consequence of idolatry leads to uh, a, a dramatic representation of that in the, in the desires of human hearts. Verse 28. Verse 28, Paul widens his scope. Verses 26 through 27 focuses in on the sin of homosexuality, but he widens his scope here to talk about all kinds of other sins now. He doesn't just focus in on homosexuality alone. And that's actually probably one of the things that we get accused of too. Why does the church talk so much about homosexuality? Why why is this your thing today? Why can't you just leave that alone? Well, 
I think the answer to that objection is that is the area where our culture is pushing against the Bible so much. We can't just sit down and be quiet. We cannot just acquiesce to quiet down and keep our mouths shut and let everything happen. Not if we want a world we can raise our kids in. Not if we want God to be glorified. But that's not the only thing on Paul's mind. Paul moves on. In uh, verse 28, he says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And here he gives a list of all kinds of other things. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Evil. Covetousness. Covetousness. We all do that. We all desire what we ought not desire. Malice. They're full of envy. Murder. We think of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, if you've hated your brother in your heart, you're guilty of murder, spiritually. Strife. Deceit. I think here of deceit and what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount again. What did He say? You let your yes be yes and your no be no. Not to swear any oath. Maliciousness. They're gossips. And how often are we tempted to get the latest tea? It's the term that people use today, spilling the tea. Gossips, slanderers, haters of God. Here it goes to the first table of the law. The first table of the law. We, we, the first four of the Ten Commandments are all about loving God. And the last six are all about loving our neighbor. And here... Haters of God, it shows the breaking the first, the first four of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other God before me. You shall uh, not make any graven images. <coughs> you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. The Psalms talk about that. Those who lie upon their bed and they think about what they're going to do whenever they get up. What are they going to do? What kind of evil are they going to go out and find today to do? Inventors of evil and disobedient to parents. We look at a list like that and maybe it seems strange. All these evil, evil things and we think disobedient to parents. Well, isn't everybody do that? Well, yeah. But the consequences of sin brings devastation, not just to society as a whole, but also to relationships within the family as well. This, that's what we see here in disobedience to parents. It brings destruction to the family. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And then... 
Though they know God's righteous decrees that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. It is not just a sin to partake in those things. It's not just a sin to do them, but it's also a sin to give approval. And what is it that our culture wants us to do? To say, it's okay. You can do what you want as long as it doesn't affect me. Right? And Paul here says that they not only do them, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. What does it do to give, hearty, to give approval to those who practice them? That is to, to cease to love your neighbor. If we love our neighbor, we don't want to see them destroy themselves. We can't give approval because if we give approval, we're encouraging them, go ahead, slit your wrists, do exactly what it takes to destroy yourselves. And that's not something we can do. This is a waiting. We stand in a culture where proclaiming this message will be seen as hateful by some, intolerant by some. But we have nowhere else to go. This is what the Bible says. Next week, I'm going to get a little bit of a preview here. Remember, next week, he turns his attention from the Gentiles who live this way to the Jews, and he says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. This is not meant for us to look at other people and say, and give us permission to judge them. As Paul here says, as we judge other people for this, we condemn ourselves. We're left with no room to stand other than to throw ourselves on the mercy of Jesus. He came. He lived. He died. And He rose again. And if we have faith in Him, if we trust in Him, we are forgiven. We are changed. And as he said, as Paul says elsewhere, and such were some of you, but you were washed. We are made new creatures in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. Amen. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.